Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasai Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. Hello, Raidar, and hello, everyone. Uh, we are very happy to produce this podcast uh, at the invitation of Dr. Patrick Ryan, who asked me some time ago whether I would like to talk about my book and uh, on Byzantine childhood, published in 2021 with the Routledge. Of course, I said yes. And when thinking about who might be the person who knows me very well and who knows my work very well, uh, the name came instantly in my mind, uh, Raida Rosgar, Professor of History of Ideas at the University of Oslo. He's also my former supervisor. Um, he supervised my PhD thesis from which my book grew out. Uh, and uh, we know each other since 2013, isn't it? Yes, when I joined, uh, I joined uh, the big project uh, Raidar directed on uh, Tiny Voice, uh, entitled Tiny Voices from the Past Children and Childhood in Early Europe, a project financed by the Norwegian Research Council. Raidar, would you like to say a little bit uh, more about your project for our listeners and viewers? Yeah. Yes, just a little. Uh, uh, nice to see you uh, again, Juana. Good to see you. And too. have a discussion uh, on uh, your uh, your book. Um, I was um, I'm a professor of history of ideas at the University of Oslo, uh, and uh, I had this uh, project um, uh, on uh, children and uh, childhood, new perspectives on on uh, childhood in in early Europe. Uh, some years ago, it started in about 2012 and went on until 2018. Um, and that was a part of my, my, uh, my work. It was uh, uh, because I cover mostly in my research and, uh, and teaching uh, antiquity and, and also parts of the, the Middle Ages. Um, this was a, then a, a big project with uh, which involved uh, a lot of uh, people, also internationally scholars from different countries, and it uh, turned out to be a very nice experience, at least for me, and I think was for many others, because it uh, we produced quite a lot of of uh, work and uh, had a number of uh, publications and. Juana's uh, book is uh, one of the important publications from that uh, that project. We also, uh, myself, I've been working quite a bit on um, on apocryphal infancy gospel, so I must do some kind of a, uh, commercial also on uh, this book, The Childhood of Jesus, which gave me, so to say, some of the the ideas on how to to shape the project Tiny Voices and. Uh, to the approaches that we used there. And during this uh, period, we also produced a book, uh, this book, uh, Children and uh, Everyday Life in the Roman and Late Antique World, uh, with uh, many 
international contributors. And we produced also uh, the, the book, uh, Childhood in History, Perceptions of Children in the Ancient and Medieval Worlds. And uh, one of the contributors there and co-editors uh, uh, was uh, Uana. So you also <laughs> contributed to this uh, in your project period. So Yes, yeah. it, uh, it, it was a fantastic time and very productive, really. And uh, there, my, my journey in researching childhood in Byzantium started and never, <laughs> never uh, ceased. Um, because I'm also still I'm 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 very much interested in childhood, children, family life. So even though my book, uh, I'm going to um, um, yeah show it to to our uh, viewers. My, Looks nice. My, <laughs> <laughs> yes, my book um, has been published in 2021. Uh, I, I I now look at children from other other perspective. I'm looking at hope and grief, so at the emotional uh, dimension of family life and how people constructed different strategies uh, which were uh, revolved around children. So, yes, mm -hmm. yes, but uh, of course, um, when I started. Uh, the project within your project um, there wasn't so much uh, written about Byzantine childhood not unlike a medieval west or unlike antiquity so not not so much scholarship on Byzantine childhood except for uh, a few monographs uh, which have been devoted uh, to a large chronological uh, time span or to perceptions of childhood and i was really really interested in everyday experiences of children so i remember uh, even now our discussions at oslo when i kept insisting i want to do this and i want to to look at childhood from children's perspective so in a way Yes, my book is about this, uh, children's everyday life. But of course, I couldn't uh, only um, look at everyday life without looking at what childhood meant for um, for the authors of my texts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can, can you say, I, I think it's very nice to, to hear what you, what you say. I think it's very much to the point that this was very much an open field when you started on your, your project. But can you say a little about why you were more generally interested in, in children and childhood and this, kind, this, this field of study, which was not a big field earlier, but which has grown a lot? Yes. Um... I read a couple of books, and it happened that I read also your book on on uh, uh, childhood of Jesus. So I, it, I became very fascinated by this field, and I also uh, worked with children in the past, mm -hmm. um, with little kids, uh, mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed um, wor working with uh, children from kindergarten to uh, 
first and second years of primary school mm. children. So it's it's a, such a fascinating world. And uh, yes, I and and then I found out about the project uh, Tiny Voices. And yes, I wanted to join your team. So luckily, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so you you have also so a personal experience and and an engagement uh, within the field uh, from early on, really. But then uh, into uh, right. developed yes. it into a scholarly uh, yes. interest and, and engagement. Yeah, sounds very interesting. Yes. Uh, and um, if you should say something very briefly uh, about uh, your book, uh, some of the main elements there just before we go on talking, so that you give uh, some kind of impression of what is the book about? Uh, what is the main topic of it? Can you present yes. it? Briefly. Yes, uh, yeah. yes, and um, if you don't mind, I'm going to share the table of contents. Uh, perhaps it's a more that useful would be great. For, uh, just a moment. Mm. Here, can yeah. you see? Here, can, here I can see. You you need to uh, to um, enlarge it a bit. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Um, my book deals with childhood and children's um, everyday experiences of life from the 9th to 11th centuries. So I'm using uh, a lot of uh, sources of different kinds to look at how childhood was conceptualized first by medical writers, by, in, in, by legislators, but also by um, religious authors which form the large corpus of of my material i'm i'm looking at more than 50 hagiographies and uh, i was trying to understand from different perspectives what childhood meant uh for for these uh authors um of course not only not only hagiographies, uh, also I used some um, uh, letter collections from uh, 10th century about uh, uh, some young students at school and how they may have um, experienced uh, the learning process in school. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm looking at uh, childhood from obviously from the time they were born until the age of 14 when uh, according to Byzantine legislations they were uh, allowed to get married so they started to take up more adult responsibilities and um, culturally childhood ended with this age so I'm looking from a, a life course perspective at uh, this uh, life life stage. Um, after after so this is uh, basically the first chapter conceptions of childhood. But then I was very much interested in the physical and social world, and uh, I I looked at the implication of uh, some demographical aspects such as childhood mortality, which was very very high. Um, the age of marriage, uh, of course, mattered because taking into account this this demographical aspects you 
you can understand the kinship universe of children, uh, whether uh, their parents uh, might have been alive by a certain age. Put it that way, uh, death was uh, an everyday reality, a very harsh reality. And um, of course, because many children died uh, by the age of five, those surviving children would experience uh, their siblings' death, uh, other friends' death, also their parents, uh, grandparents, very little um, chances for a child by the age of uh, 10 or uh, 12 or 14 when, when they were uh, allowed to marry very little chances that the grandparents would be still alive. So this affected, in a way, their whole world and their whole social networks. And um, I wanted to do that in, in this chapter. And then I started, of course, with infancy and how vulnerable children were in infancy. Um, not. And not only children, also mothers were at a high risk of, of uh, death in childbirth. Uh, I, I also look at uh, baptism, which was very important, uh, not only <clears throat> from a theological point of view, because it was a matter of final salvation, uh, but there was a concern in Byzantine society about what happened with, with uh, babies. So, uh, the fear uh, that parents would lose their children before, um, like very, very early in life prompted them to baptize them so they would secure uh, their final salvation. Um, also, wedding was, was a risky period. So in a way, until the age of five, children were very, very vulnerable. So mm -hmm. that's why the uh, mortality rate has been uh, estimated to be 50%, almost 50% by the age of five. Um, other aspects that I have, uh, I have um, looked at were uh, education and play, how children were socialized in, dom in, in domestic context, so to speak, or at school. What did they learn? How did they learn? Um, and that depended uh, obviously on gender and social status and uh, financial standing of their families. Um, in charge, also they are uh, very much present as performing different roles. And uh, I discussed that in chapter uh, five, yes. uh, in which I also uh, look at how they may have perceived uh, church rituals, like being present in church during, during the Sunday office, what they may have seen, heard, uh, touched. So uh, I'm, I'm engaging with a kind of sensorial experiences from children's uh, standpoint. Hmm. Um, chapter six uh, kind of wrapped up, wrap, wraps up the, the, the whole domestic um, network. And I'm looking at um, children and family members relationship 
with with mothers, with fathers, with uncles and aunts, uh, also with other uh, household members, with domestic servants. Um, a special group of children were children who were uh, raised and educated in monasteries, mm -hmm. not only orphans, but also children whose parents were still alive, but decided to send them to monasteries to entrust them uh, to ascetic communities to become monks and nuns. Um, and at the end, um, a very interesting chapter <laughs> about um, four children that uh, whose story or whose stories I, I um, constructed based on sources, I follow uh, four children in one day, uh, the, the daily routine of, of these uh, children, in order to look at how different may have been their experiences and how they um, interacted with the environment, with whom they might, uh, might uh, interact and uh, what did they do, how, uh, how they experienced uh, school and uh, at, at home and in monastic context as well. So uh, the, every, the, the life experiences of these children were very much uh, different. Okay, that sounds very <laughs> nice, Suana. A, a good overview of uh, of uh, your uh, your book for us. Uh, so now people have at least seen the table of contents as some kind of a, a, a small taste of what the, the book is about. And there are a number of things we can go on and talk to talk about and, and discuss. Uh, and um, there are many quite fascinating things in your uh, book. And I say this, uh, of course, as your supervisor, but also because <laughs> I think uh, that uh, the book is a very valuable generally in uh, research, not least because of some of the approaches you you make use of in the book. I, I will not, uh, I'll come back to that, but I want first to just uh, um, ask you a little more about uh, the uh, the sources. You said that you built on hagiographies, letter collections, le legislation, and things like that. Yes. What, what sources do you think were the most important among these for, for the period? Yes, well, I... And most useful for, most, for uh, most, yes, studying most childhood. Most useful... All of them are very useful. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean... Uh, I can't really, um, I can't really say uh, in terms of usefulness, no. but um, maybe in terms of the glimpses of everyday life circumstances that we might get from. Yeah, yeah. Um, geographies are very important um, sources for uh, social history. So mm -hmm. uh, historians of Byzantine uh, empire who have done a lot of uh, research on social history, uh, whether we speak about women or other categories, mm. they relied very much on yeah. geographies, which yeah. uh, reflect uh, some social realities. But of course, uh, geographers, in, in, when, when it comes to childhood, they were not necessarily interested in, in this uh, phase of life. <laughs> Uh, children appear sometimes only as uh, 
background characters, uh, but we learn about them. Mm -hmm. uh, we learn about childhood from uh, the description of uh, the saints when they were children. Uh, we learn about uh, childhood and what children did also from uh, miracle, uh, healing miracles. Mm -hmm. So um, we need to always um, pick up uh, pieces and bits, uh, bit, bits and pieces and to put them together. So yeah. it's a kind of a puzzle that we need mm -hmm. to. Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's a really a big reservoir of material, these, uh, these hagiographies. So, but what yeah. you've been doing then is in a way reading them, uh, or reading them a little against the grain or, or in between the lines, so to say, yes. to, to see what do they... Of course, of course, ex because... Explicitly and more, uh, more uh, implicitly right. uh, uh, sing, think, say about yes, children. I mean, yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, what is important to point out is that uh, childhood is very much idealized in hagiographies when it comes to, to uh, saints' childhood because yeah. they were special characters. Uh, mm -hmm. So hagiographers were concerned to describe their heroes in 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 the best possible way. So obviously they um, they enhanced some uh, features uh, and the, the saints to be as children, they were uh, prodigy children. They behaved yeah. like uh, adults. So we have, uh, we always encounter this queer uh, senex topos that is a child yeah. who behaves in a wise and uh, adult manner. Yeah, yeah. The the pure Senex, uh, image is also very common in in other literature of of the period and earlier also in in uh, antiquity. So, but uh, do you when you read the um, material, the hagiographies, do you also sense uh, whether the authors could have some kind of a also a understanding of the special features yes. qualities of uh, children and childhood so yes, that they, so course. to say uh, the, it, it, was, it was not only idealizing but uh, something more also yeah yes absolutely absolutely they recognized this uh, this uh, stage of life as being a for extremely important a formative stage of life and uh, they recognized children as vulnerable um, human beings in in need of protection and care mm -hmm. uh it, not only uh, you know this kind of idealized uh, description of of um, saintly childhood but no. in general yeah uh, children were um were in need were were portrayed in in need of uh, being taken care of and uh in in um being guarded uh, yeah. by so, so they were able to so to say to empathize with uh, with children in many ways and and see how yeah and yes. and, and and think about the development of children but yeah. uh, i'm just curious now asking you uh, are there uh, some cases where where so to say they present uh, children as some kind of agents more 
active and more yes. more uh, with more uh, uh, power in themselves mm. and not only uh, as yes. vulnerable <laughs> yeah yes of course of course uh, and that's something uh, i tried to point out in my book because um, many for many years in um, in childhood studies, uh, scholars have uh, taken this view that uh, the socialization process or in the socialization process, children are passive agents. Uh, but this, this perspective has been uh, changed already in, in the past decades, I think. Mm -hmm. And now uh, children are seen as, as agents and as, um, those who contribute with uh, within their own uh, development so they are active uh, agents in their own right and uh, what's visible in my texts even though we are talking about uh, childhood of Byzantine children long time ago uh, more than 1000 years ago um, Children are, uh, are active in their play. So agency is seen, for instance, when they play because they imagine they can contest the rules of, of gaming or, or playing or different games. They, even though they imitate adults, they can always imagine or, or taking up roles that they, they choose. Of course, not only in play, but also, for instance, also in monastic context. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It's not that children are always obedient and they and they follow uh, always the rules. So also uh, a sort of rebellion uh, can be glimpsed uh, from the sources. So yeah, in, mm -hmm. in this kind of instances, we can see uh, children's agency. Mm -hmm interesting uh one one question about uh, the sources that we'll go over to uh, approaches and methodology i think uh, soon but but uh, do you know uh, about any kind of sources where uh, children themselves so to say uh, speak more directly or or uh, are uh, at the center uh, or uh, probably not not many so but no, uh, unfortunately but, uh, yeah. yes unfortunately yes some kind of evidence of children themselves letters perhaps i don't know um not from my period no. uh, of of uh, study unfortunately yeah. but there are uh, i think there are uh, two letters if i remember correctly written by a child from second or third century yeah that's I'm, right I'm, yes. yes yes so uh we hear in, in, in that kind of material the mm. the child's voice yeah. but not not in mine unfortunately i would yeah. have loved to yeah <laughs> keep, keep on looking maybe you find yes. something <laughs> but uh what's i think uh in um some toys uh yeah. from uh, byzantine from middle byzantine uh, period i think from from the eighth century if i remember correctly there are some toys that are shaped in such a clumsy manner that scholars um have suggested that 
this might have been uh, a toy made by a child. Yeah. So uh, we see children's uh, a tangible uh, uh, yeah. way of how children yeah. manipulated different material yeah. and just made up. Yeah, we know that from antiquity. Yeah, we know that from antiquity. Some instances of of that uh, where scholars think that this this has yes. been made by children, and so, some of them nicer projects, clay projects, things could also yes, have been made by exactly. children. But it's not possible to see that it was a child who did it really. So uh, right, yeah. right, and well, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we are fortunate in these cases to to see something uh, that has been preserved. Mm. Uh, but I remember. I remember from my own childhood, children used to play in my community with all kinds of material. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sources, even uh, hagiographies, text sources, tell us that children use, are used to play with everything, with rocks, uh, pebbles, with making, uh, shaping toys out of um, uh, soil, not soil, but a clay or something like clay, that. Clay, yeah, yeah, yeah. clay. Yes. So mm -hmm. obviously, uh, yeah, children just enjoy their time and <laughs> yeah, yeah, constructed things... their own their own tools and their own yeah. Uh, toys. Yeah, yeah. So, so it... here, here's some some kind of a universal element also that uh, yeah, which we can recognize through the ages, even though many other things uh, change. Have changed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you touched a little on the approaches, methodology, and uh, uh, and with the sources you have to work with, uh, some kind of uh, conscious methodologies would be uh, quite necessary. And uh, can you say a little more about uh, uh, that? Right. Yeah. What? Well, I yes, my how to find out things uh, and, and find uh, yeah. <laughs> my methodological uh, toolbox was uh, very eclectic in a way because mm -hmm. I I um, I used life course theory with intersectionality, so I was looking at different uh, phases of childhood. Uh, and took into consideration how various elements shape children's trajectory of life. So age, status, gender, health are important factors that influence an individual's life. And I have looked at how this, at the interplay of gender and status and geographical setting as well. Uh, historical period also matters a lot when it comes to um, everyday life of individuals mm. in general. Mm. And uh, yes, I have uh, looked at how these uh, elements are at play in the description of, of children and how also how childhood is conceptualized uh, depending mm. on gender. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Now, so the, from what you say, this kind of intersectional uh, perspective seem very uh, important because you can, so to say, uh, try to uh, see it from different perspectives and combine elements to, so to say, to yes. visualize the lives exactly. of children. And, yeah. And I should add that um, Byzantine society was 
patriarchal society yeah. in which the place of women and of girls was um, minimized in the sense that they were they were expected to sit at home, not to not to be in the streets. And actually, this is a very very interesting because I've been um, talking with my colleagues who studied uh, childhood in late antiquity, mm-hmm. and they they were very um, uh, curious how come Byzantine girls are not seen playing together with with uh, boys they are mm-hmm. always described in my sources mm-hmm. as playing in same gender uh, group okay. so uh, of course that says maybe not about everyday realities but about how society expected and how what what mm-hmm. the expectations what the cultural scripts of 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 the yeah, of the Byzantine society in which uh, women should stay, should not be visible, should not be in, in public, uh, and girls should be kept at home, uh, away from uh, a men's gaze. It was very important, the honor, so uh, it was very important virginity as well, so mm. preservation of virginity. So we can yeah. see this kind of um, ideas in in. Yeah. in that, that's very, very interesting that yeah so there are differences also uh, across the ages from antiquity late antiquity and until and into the byzantine area and culture so so gender relations can be a bit differently yes. configured so to say mm-hmm. yeah exactly and uh i think that has to do with uh, how society and culture evolved uh, from late antiquity to the medieval period of, of Byzantine Empire, because um, women are seen more and more inside, so re- kind of secluded, mm-hmm. are, 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 are described in the text. Uh, but that also depended very much on uh, social status. Yeah. So, of course, uh, a peasant woman or a peasant girl, we might uh, we 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 don't have to think about them as being, <laughs> you know, inside a house, oh, yeah. uh, secluded because they had to work. Mm-hmm. So it, it's more about um, vi- visibility and invisibility, if I if I can say that, yeah. uh, in terms of social status. So mm-hmm. um, they have more their own domain inside or outside yes, of yes, the the yes. the public view it's very very interesting and, and that it can differ also uh, yeah depending on social status so that, that's, a, that's a way of thinking intersectional really so exactly. yes, yeah, exactly. using those kind exactly. of uh, of uh, approaches um you also there are a lot of things we could talk about here and <laughs> on methodology and could not spend we could spend all the time on that i think because it's there are so many interesting things in your your book i, I just but i i just wonder about um, you say something about senses and and the sensorial that's also quite exactly. uh, quite yeah. interesting and how what what you in what way do you use uh, uh, the senses or what the role do they play in your, uh, your yes, book and um, 
I, I found uh, very interesting this um, approach, uh, the, the, the approach to how people would perceive their world via senses, which has yeah. been done it's uh, already for many years in mm. medieval studies, in Byz mm. Byzantine studies as well. And what I've done in my book was to look at how children, what children may have seen depending, where, uh, of, uh, depending on where they stayed in the church, because that's uh, the place or the space uh, that I'm investigating. <laughs> children and their sensorial experiences and uh, what they may have seen uh, children usually depending again on gender and, and social status as well so there are varieties and uh, variations of um, of this kind of um, experience a sensorial experience um, girls would stay with their mothers boys with their fathers uh, small children, both boys and girls, would stay only with their mothers. Some, and of course, where mothers stayed—that's uh, uh, the, the another question. Sometimes, uh, sometimes in the upper gallery of a, of a big church. Mm. So obviously, everything that a child would see during the service would be different depending on the position. Mm. And also depending on how big the, the church would be, the size and and whether there were uh, iconographical uh, representation of mm -hmm. saints in the mm -hmm. church or mm -hmm. not, or mm -hmm. so the sound uh, in Hagia Sophia in in uh, Constantinople, the sound was absolutely fantastic according to uh, the the studies that are done by uh, Byzantine. Uh, historians mm. so um it's very interesting to on to just uh ask the question mm -hmm. May, maybe obviously we can't know how they may have perceived no. but we can ask the question mm -hmm. what how yeah. in what circumstances they mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. they they may have yeah. encountered yeah. this and that possibility yeah, yeah. When, how how they in yeah what context they sensed and and experienced uh, being in the world so to say do, do, do this I will finish this quite soon but do, do the sources say anything about for example uh, smell or touch yes these uh, uh, these are also senses so I think that it will also relate to well, church I mean, or in, church in services sense, yes. Incense, yeah. Incense was yeah. A, a, a feature of yeah, uh, and a strong, any, strong experience in many ways for strong, children, also, yeah. Yes, probably yes. Yeah. Uh, and touch. I mean, obviously, when somebody would enter uh, a, a church, a place, would touch the mm. door or the curtain. Mm. Mm. Uh, did they have icons, for example, also? Would you think the touch? Well, it depends. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, it depends really because uh, we are dealing with a period after iconoclasm, mm. so after, after um, the victory over um, uh, those who were against icons, and um, it's it's been a uh, a period when 
uh, icons start to be used again, but um, it's very difficult to know whether in all churches start, uh, the icons were mm, uh, again mm. put in, in on yeah. the walls yeah. or uh, depictions yeah. of of uh, images, saints' images were uh, depicted. Of course, uh, there is a source uh, with a child who recognized some saints uh, in, when he uh, he was. Uh, in charge with his parents, and uh, he, the, the biographer says that he recognized the, the images of these saints about whom uh, he was learning at home from parents. So uh, biblical stories and stories about yeah. saints were very much uh, uh, important in how children learned hmm. to about about uh, the traditions, about the norms, about um, about how to read and write, because they used uh, first um, biblical uh, material, the Psalms and the scriptures yeah. for that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the, a very different educational material than today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But a, a lot of impulses. You you mentioned a lot of things. Yeah, which contribute to shaping children's lives everyday life and also identity so uh, cultural identity so it's this is very interesting uh, i would want to also ask you about uh, um, what i would call some kind of a use of micro history uh, because i yeah i think you this is also part of your your approach yes exactly uh, um it may have different different names. I just uh, when you go yes, to my, my, yes. my micro history, when micro. you go to so to say the yeah yeah. Yes, I um this, this. I am I was inspired by, uh, or one of the approaches I I used in the book uh, that is visible in the last chapter, is inspired from micro history and history of below, which uh, both yeah. of them are concerned with ordinary uh, people and their actions and. Uh, and what I have done, as I said before, was to look at ordinary actions, ordinary things in just one day in the life of a child to mm -hmm. see how, how, how their, their experiences may have looked like in different contexts. So, um, Yes, we call it faction, or we call it fictional microhistory. We call it um, um, narratives. Of, um, yes, we, we have all kind of names yeah, yeah. For, for this method, but uh, it has been used uh, by several scholars, you included, uh, and I think it has been uh, very useful for me as a as a scholar, because I need to think. I had to think about every single detail, mm -hmm. and also when I decided, I want, I want to see how a child may have experienced life in a monastic context versus a child who may have experienced life in a domestic setting, then. I had to make fundamental choices. Mm. Um, and for instance, about who, like what, what is the age? Because age matter 
whether uh, a child uh, was allowed to, to be in a certain space or place or um, status as well. It was uh, different for, uh, as I said, for a peasant girl to be out in the field helping uh, the mother or the father and a very different if it would be a, a girl from a mi middle upper class family yeah, and so on. Yeah. So, um, and every single detail uh, about just one day from the morning until evening had to be uh, researched. So it's not, a mat uh, not only a matter of engaging with primary sources, but also engaging with secondary literature. And I had to read a lot about different things like what kind of clothes uh, children wear, uh, the tunics. I was even, um, I was thinking, do they have like, uh, we, we call it now, nowadays pajamas, but <laughs> I, I was thinking, do they have like different uh clothing for yeah. you know at night and during the day or not and mm -hmm. we don't know mm -hmm. um we don't know yet no. or yeah. i or i missed that detail i don't know but yeah. also you know the 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 the, the shoes and where a, a child uh, is allowed to go how much how big a distance uh, a child uh, goes for uh to to school how much time does it take yeah. for that so this, this kind of things i have to take into account and in order yeah. to construct something uh more plausible so yeah. and more close to children so i wanted to provide the reader with a more organic view of children's experiences of life and mm -hmm. how how different they may have been but also uh, I pointed out some similarities because because they were children, so they depended. Uh, they were under uh, adults' authority. So some of social interactions mm. uh, point out uh, exactly this. They had to obey to adults. They always uh, they were not alone, <laughs> even though they were, you know, like. They they were at home or or in monasteries. Even though in monasteries the the environment was very uh, harsh. Obviously, um, there was a very abrupt transition from childhood to adulthood when when they enter monasteries. But uh, in terms of social relationship with adults, uh, there are similarities, uh, mm -hmm. no matter the context. Mm -hmm. This is uh, also exciting to listen to the, the, this kind of microhistorical approach and the the so to say the this kind of also perspective from below trying to so to say piece together uh, the whole uh, uh, context life situation in as for for a child it's very very uh, interesting and and really it's a way of of uh, of approaching the material which can yield. Uh, unexpected results and and more exactly. a kind of holi holistic way of uh, of uh, seeing things. Yes, um, exactly. Although I must admit, I was a bit skeptical at first. 
when I read other other scholars, many many would be yeah yeah yes, yeah. Other when I read other scholars' um, way of doing, and at first reading, I was a bit skeptical whether this would be um, a kind of uh, orthodox way of doing mm -hmm. research, mm -hmm. but. Uh, since I've done it <laughs> myself, uh, yes, I I think it's it's a very useful, at least exercise. If we don't want to publish it in in this way, and I'm not and I'm I'm not saying that we should do that all the time, but mm. this is a very useful exercise that makes us aware of different things that might escape our, our uh, attention mm. when we, we do traditional, uh, yeah, more traditional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. taking all those kind of uh, perspectives into uh, into consideration is, uh, yes. makes things a bit uh, different, I think. So I very much uh, agree with you, I think. Uh, and I agree also with your reservations and 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 uh, and uh, and uh, uh, self uh, reflection on it uh, because it it's uh, it maybe uh, it is in a way a, a, a challenging approach, but uh, my my experience is also that this is very uh, useful and can so to say give uh, some kind of a an idea of things and in the different ways than we do with just the minimal things we know so it's uh, so um, this kind of, sometimes fiction uh, or what we call it faction can tell more yes. about uh, uh, reality a novel can also often sometimes be more true to uh, <laughs> to uh, reality uh, if it yes. reality with the with the with the reservation so called but that it's it's uh, it has um, something to give which may be very to the point also for research yes. and historically speaking yeah of course of course i i mean i absolutely agree um the 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 pitfall is that we might uh let imagination to go too far and yeah. I think we we have to be aware of that, and mm. if we keep ourselves uh, within the limits, so to say, and uh, have our primary sources in front of us and see what can be picked up and interpreted, and just to to put the puzzle, you know, the pieces of the puzzle in in their own their uh, right place, mm. and then we need to fill a gap and there is where imagination uh, mm -hmm. goes mm -hmm. <laughs> in those uh, little holes. Mm -hmm. This kind of this approach is also something that, we, so to say, involves different disciplines also. So when one can, so to say, join forces with other scholars from other scholarly traditions who do archaeology, art history, Absolutely. and so so it's it's so to say a, a way of combining a lot of different perspectives within this kind of fictional Absolutely. or fractional yes. Uh, yes. setting, which um, yeah yes, of course. And I remember uh, a very good example um, some some time ago at a conference, and I think it was in Oslo when. 
kind of I, I had like an eye opening <laughs> mm-hmm. about this. Um, Ray Lawrence, I think, uh, was the yeah. the scholar who has done uh, a piece about how important was the height of the child. Yeah, that's right. Like, depending on how high, how tall the child is, how you know the perspective of the 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 city or the neighborhood or the house uh, changes. So mm-hmm. it's it's very important to take this just have this in mind uh we are adults and we we in a way forget about that we were children we were little we were small <laughs> mm. you know and yeah we we've seen uh things differently and we experience differently yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, this is also that- yeah <laughs> This is also very much about power relations that the children are, so to say, they are smaller than uh, and and feel weaker perhaps than than adult people, and there's so there's a lot of things going on there also yes. in their relationships. So, uh, of course, of yeah. course, yeah. Okay, we've been talking quite about uh, a lot a lot of things. Um, uh, I wonder. Um, uh, if you should very briefly say what has been some of the main contributions that you have given to research very briefly, could you, could you say just a little about that? And I would also uh, ask you after that a little about what next, yeah. so to say. Yeah. Um, I think I what, what I have uh, brought in, with my book was a new perspective or, or a fresh perspective in the sense that I I was very much concerned with children and the focus was on children, not only on adults. Of course, um, because the sources are written by adults, one can't escape uh, entirely the, the adult uh, perspective but I wanted to look at children and they are at the core of my my um, analysis mm. children's mm. Uh, viewpoints or mm. uh, yeah not, not only the adult not, yeah, sorry. not only the adults but children oh, so yeah, they were yeah, uh, yeah, and then only, uh, yeah. agency and experiences in mm. different contexts mm. that's mm. Uh, what I I yeah, I think. yeah. Not only the adult case, but also the children's gaze yes. and yes. children as also of active uh, and agents, active participants in shaping their world and their their, yes. their their themselves. What uh, what next? Uh, what are you doing now as part of the follow up of this uh, volume? Just briefly on that, but what what do you think yes. uh, of, of what kind of new areas can be explored when it comes to children and childhood and, and these kind of perspectives yeah. well I, I i already said in my book that i don't i don't deal with everything because it's impossible but in many areas have uh, i i had to to just exclude them uh, in in uh, my sources i encounter a lot of children who are sick, who are disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, 
I'm 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 working on that still. I had a I had a project in after Oslo. I had a project uh, in uh, Sweden, uh, and the results of this pro of that project would uh, come uh, hopefully this year. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, children's experiences of disability. Mm -hmm. um, it can be done a lot on 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 this topic. Also, children's emotional um, emotional uh, dynamics and and the emotional world of children. And uh, I think that that would be also something very nice to do. Mm -hmm. Emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm very much interested now in emotions. So I'm having um, a project in Tampere on hope and how yeah. hope is used by the Byzantines in times of crisis, especially mm -hmm. personal crisis when their children died, were at, are at risk of dying and how hope is used in these instances in order to uh, keep people thinking about the future and, and keep uh, constructing strategies for, uh, for the future, for survival mm -hmm. and continuity. This uh, wave of uh, interest in, in the emotional, I think it's, yeah, that's uh, really interesting uh, uh, because it's, so to say, supplements uh, this kind of more intellectualistic focus in much research on, on the thinking. And, but yes. this is also uh, about uh, the human condition, how people feel and sense. And, uh, and uh, so it's, uh, it's uh, something that I think. Uh, broadens the perspective uh, within research in, in a nice way yes also uh, we can't we can't escape uh, the the dark side of childhood <laughs> because uh, unfortunately yeah. many children uh, died and many families uh, coped with with, with this uh, tragedy mm. um, poverty was mm. also something that um, and violence violence yeah, yes very common and yeah. and the degrees of vulnerability of within a byzantine family not necessarily yeah. uh, focused on children but yeah. on the family as a whole and the whole social dynamics and what was going on there when yeah. poverty might might uh you know uh threaten or yes uh, yes yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think it's a very interesting uh, thing to do. Mm -hmm. And not only um, there are. I remember there is a there there is a case in in uh, one of my sources, and mm -hmm. that kind of I still remember it. I was it was in a way very touching to uh, to to read it. A mother, a poor a poor widow mother with two disabled children and she she is going to the saints relics to uh, obviously in in search for uh, healing for her children and but it's it's very interesting how the hagiographer framed the, her condition being a widow being poor and having two disabled children that was the worst of yeah. of what yeah yeah of, a heartbreaking her, uh, yes yeah, so uh yes we 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 need to um uh, 
we need to remember that life was very harsh mm. uh, in mm. in the past mm. and uh, children's living conditions as well uh, may not have been ideal mm. and yeah so this these are topics that I'm very much interested to look uh, more into mm. into. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> okay, Oana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go on. I think these are very, very nice and important paths to follow, and and also they are relevant for today. As in in many ways, the uh, yeah, it's life yes. is not always easy today of, of for course. children and and adults, and sometimes it's quite difficult. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely! I yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Sure. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, children's life back then was worse than children's life today. Uh, we we are talking about different contexts, different culture, different different cultural. Yeah. Others, uh, some other matters you want to say something about, or have uh, we covered uh, most of the the ground of what we could or should yeah. today? Well, just for. Um, for uh, our um, uh, audience, I just wanted to um, show two pictures of children that are in um, marginal illustrations in 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 a in a manuscript from 11th century. Uh, I hope I can. I hope. Just try. Yes. Uh, just, just a moment. Um, so share, share. Yeah, I don't know what 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 happened. <laughs> no. Yes. Can you see it? Yes. Yes. So um, this, uh, I think this is a very very nice. Uh, way of describing childhood as a time of play as a time of um, of uh, engaging with your uh, peers um, as, as a time where you know this is a, an agentic child <laughs> or mm. agentic children mm. so uh, here are three children portrayed two of them pushing a swing uh on uh, with, the, with the child on it so i think it's a very very nice uh, nice illustration that is found in a manuscript on homilies of gregory nazianzus so you might <laughs> uh not be not not expect uh, in in such a kind of religious context to to see um such portrayals of children but yes 
Yeah, that's so. really really nice. Yeah, and with the the tree and the birds and the yeah context, it's 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 beautiful. Yes, yes, indeed. And um, and another one. I'm sorry, I had to. No yes. Problem. Another one is this mm. with children in a tree picking up fruits and, and then um, um, a child, a boy uh, throwing down uh, fruits to, to his uh, companion, mm. companions in the same uh in the same uh, manuscript on homilies of gregory yeah. yeah and so and someone probably carrying it, uh, the fruits away on on the yes. back or something like yes that. Yeah. yes yes it's yeah. a kind of a basket in yeah. uh so uh we may see uh children at work uh here but um this is not uh to say that children could not play uh at while while working and we have actually texts uh, um, some stories of children who stopped a little bit uh, during work and started a play mm. a game so yeah yeah, yeah that's touching yeah <laughs> <laughs> and close to everyday life yeah exactly, yeah, probably. exactly. Yeah. okay i think Perhaps we should end this uh, talk now, even though we could have gone on for quite a while. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I think uh, it's been very interesting to hear the, your presentation and, and your thoughts about both methodology and this material and, and, uh, and children and childhood. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Raidar. And it has been a pleasure as always to talk with you about uh, our uh, uh, common uh, research interest yeah yes. yeah and good to see you again and have a nice so, have a nice um week yeah same <laughs> same uh, to you also and we'll meet again yes yeah. bye 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 thank you for listening to shusai podcasts you can find more materials and features from the society for the history of children and youth online shcy.org.